we did cope. It just we just understood this is what we have to do. But you're right, our relationship was on the back burner, and uh, we, we kind of realized that that's where it has to be at this point in time. I remember when I would come home from being out somewhere, and I would turn onto my street. The tension across the back of my shoulders was horrendous. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean, and this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences with working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. And so we've created not only an avenue where you can hear people talk about their intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Len and Millie. How are you guys? Doing well. Thanks, Ray. Thank you very much for coming down and and doing the podcast with us. We really appreciate you guys joining us. Our pleasure. So we we have a, a great topic today. I think the topic is... Oh, it was caregiving, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it was yes. caregiving. Mm-hmm. And you guys have some really great stories around that. Before we get into that, if you guys can tell us a little bit about yourselves um, and, and how long you guys been together. Uh, I'm Millie, and Len and I have been married for 35 years in September. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. And we met at work, and we were supposed to be doing a carpool with a bunch of people. And the bunch of people ended up disappearing, and then it was just Len and I, and we would just sit and talk on those long winter nights, and we'd ended up having dinners, and one thing led to another, and 35 years later, here we are. All right, and Len? Uh, yes, yeah, so, well, uh, again, Millie and I met at Curtis Candy, and uh, first we worked uh, right by Wrigley Field, uh, uh, just off of Addison and Broadway, and then uh, they shipped us out to Bensonville as we started having the long carpools and I uh, uh, I must say I was dating somebody at the time and then but Millie and I were having these long rides and uh, fell in love and uh, and, and uh, that started our relationship so you guys are ready to dive right into the relationship story <laughs> how old are you Len? Uh, 87 I'm 867 wow I was like you look great for 87 67 married in 80 <laughs> Three. I'm sorry. 67. And, and uh, what do you do for a living? Retired since January 11th. Great. But um, Two weeks ago, Magnolia right? Magnolia Curtis Candy. Yeah. Prior to that, uh, Alberto yeah. Culver Company for five years. Then 27 years on the trading floor of the CME with my brother, with my three brothers. And then after that, uh, uh, St. Emily Parish for seven years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And Millie, you were a dental assistant? I was a dental assistant. That was my last job for 14 years. And when Lynn and I met at uh, Curtis Candy, I worked there for 12 years. And then uh, I got pregnant, and we decided that I was going to stay home and take care of our daughter, Megan. And then my mom and dad moved in with us, and I kind of ended up taking care of them as well. So 
And here we are. And here we are. Mm -hmm. So you guys are in this carpool. Yes. Who asks who out? Happened, yeah, it did kind of happen. Yes, it just, so you guys did a sliding versus it deciding. It, yes, yeah. got it, it. It evolved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one day on the way to work, he gave me a kiss and I slammed into the car in front of me. <laughs> did you so. really? You got into a car accident? Mm -hmm. Wow, I told him to keep his hands to himself. Well, honey, you should have put it in park, <laughs> but uh, yes, <clears throat> where'd you guys go on your first date? Cass and Lou's, maybe. Mm. Cass and Lou's restaurant, which is no longer in the city mm -hmm. on yeah. Irving Park. It was, it was part a, of our route, getting from Bensonville back to Montrose and Nice Clarendon. Italian mm -hmm. restaurant, Italian. which he loves. So okay. that's where we used to go. What was it about the other person that you fell in love with? Great question. Well, just he claimed that it was when I was bending over the file cabinet. Oh. That he was <laughs> what he said <laughs> but no he was just the nicest man and he was so cute and i i really liked him he was a gentle soul so i used to give her things nice. to file <laughs> <laughs> whether you needed them filed or not <laughs> right <laughs> right but i i just uh she just attracted me for you know her beauty and, and for who she was and uh, uh you know, it, it just was a natural uh, attraction that I, you know, had. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How long did you guys date? Not, not long? Not she, long. She whispers? Maybe. Year and a half. Year and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, what, was it, there a reason why it was only a year and a half? Or? He was very anxious to get married. How oh. old were you guys when you started dating? Late 20s. 30 for me. <clears throat> okay. Mm -hmm. And how long into the relationship did you know you were a couple? And when how did you know? When he broke up with the other girlfriend. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she sat me down on the steps to her parents' apartment and said, look, you have to make a decision here oh. or I'm out of here. Yeah. So. <laughs> you got to pick one. Yeah, right. So, What was that moment like for you? Well, I mean, she kind of... Not kind of. She forced me to decide, and and I had to, you know pray about it, think about it. I said, okay, this is the direction I want to go, and that was it. So none of that stuff is pleasant, right? You know. So. And who who said I love you first? Oh, that's a good one. I don't remember. It's too, too many years. Yeah. But uh, but whoever said it first meant it, and whoever said it second <laughs> meant it. So. Good cover. <laughs> See. And tell us about your engagement. Our engagement. Um, there was a cast and lose also. And I got to the engagement ring. Remember? We had dinner. <laughs> so so how, you already got the ring. Did you ask her family? Or was there any pre-things for you guys? I don't recall him I, asking my parents. No, but I don't think I did. But uh, I was a big hit. Uh, since Millie's mom only spoke Spanish and I had rudimentary Spanish. Oh, oh. And so, I mean, she gave me extra salad, extra, you know, things at dinner time and everything. So she, she was, was impressed because you were trying. Happy. Yeah. She was very happy. She so. was very happy. So I don't think I asked your dad. I just asked you first, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were, of course, delighted. They loved him. Mom mm -hmm. said he would look great in the tuck, so we just went with it. Yeah. Now, your mother's ethnic background is? 
We are from Cuba. From Cuba, okay. Yes, we came over in 1962. So you're 100%? I'm 100%. Oh, okay. You were born there. Right. I was born there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was six. My brother was three. My mom was in her 30s, and my dad was in his 40s. So wow. it was a long time ago. So did you know that night he was going to propose? No. What was it like for you? Well, it was kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of a private thing that, that happened there. But um, it, was, it was wonderful because he is such a good guy. And I, uh, for the longest time, I just never thought that I would find the right person. And then all of a sudden, when you least expect it, which is what your parents always tell you, you know, he showed up. And he was just awesome. So, and I did love him. That's great. I still do. <laughs> Lucky me. Lucky you. <laughs> How long were you guys engaged? A year. Yeah, a year. Mm-hmm. So you got engaged like six months into the relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got engaged awfully fast. Yes, it kind of made my head spin. Did it? Did it seem like this relationship was different from other people you might you may have dated? Like, did yes. you have a knowing? Yeah, it did seem different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because of who you are, Mill, you know, it just seemed different. Like, this is the right person for me. You know, not, not that the other people were bad or untrustworthy or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's just, you just yeah. feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You can be yourself with the person that's going to be your soulmate, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've always felt comfortable with each other. So, How Did your families have any concerns about the length of the relationship? You know, that being only a year and a half? No. No, no. My, my parents didn't have any concern about that. They really didn't like the guy that I had dated previously, so I think they were like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> How was it when your families met? Well, you know, my mom didn't speak English, even though she tried for many years to learn. It just it just didn't seep in. Mm-hmm. Um, Dad is more of a quiet guy, so um, it was a little uncomfortable, but in the end... His mom and dad, especially his mom, was a delightful person. When she walked into the room, she just made you feel so welcome. So I think that she broke the ice with the the gathering of the parents. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you guys um, did you just live together before you got married? No, 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 no. no. This is an. Uh, an old fat old timer story where right. Millie lived with right. her mom and dad in her apartment until she got married. But uh, mm-hmm. so then, did you guys uh, purchase a place together we after did. you got married? Well, we like, how did it. that how did that go about? Like, okay. so I had a condo in Rogers Park. Okay, but it was a studio mm-hmm. and it was and a, tiny, and I wanted us to to live there after we were married. Mm-hmm. And my oldest brother, especially, is was saying, "Look, that's too small for you to get started out. Just just rent it or sell it." and get an apartment so we got an apartment in jefferson park i probably had that place for six or eight years after we were married and i finally sold it but uh, then we had enough money saved to move to mount prospect and that was our first home little story about our daughter who uh you know again was born in 84 we were married in 83 so in 87 we moved uh, to mount prospect and she was uh had just turned uh four and uh when we opened up the sliding patio door to the back of the house, she said, ooh, a park. So we, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. So she was used to living in an apartment. And that was just great to see the backyard yeah. and describe it that way. So, We're still that's there. That's cool. <laughs> that's wonderful. Wow. 
And so you guys have uh, one, one daughter? One daughter. One daughter. Mm-hmm. One daughter. She's 35 in August. 35. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, so let's ask you a question about, about conflict, right, and stress. Like, how do you guys manage conflict and stress within your relationship, your marriage? Great question. And uh, he had a lot of stress working down at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, and there were certain times of the year where he was really stressed. I just left him alone because he just needed his space. Mm-hmm. But so did Millie, taking care of her mom and dad. And again, her mother suffered from mental illness, and um, there were times when it was very, very difficult for her to take care of her mom. And quite often she was uh, in hospitals for treatments and uh, uh shock therapy and things like that it was it it was not easy so how do we handle it back to the question i think we just understood uh what we each of us us were going through and had respect for that Mm -hmm. you know and uh so try to give each other space when needed and what would happen if you guys disagreed about something how do we argue Mm -hmm. sure we'd argue okay uh, I usually would do this silent treatment. Mm-hmm. That's how oh, I, my gosh. I forgot about the silent treatment. <laughs> Guilty. And sometimes it would go on for a week. I, I oh, just, my gosh. That's, I couldn't face him because I was too angry, so I just felt that walking away and just regrouping was my way of dealing. But we really should probably, in retrospect, have talked to each other about it, but I just, I just didn't grow up that way. When, when the silent treatment was over, mm-hmm. did you talk about it then, or did you just yes. sort of yes. resolve it within yourself? I res- well, I to resolve it be- for myself, mm-hmm. and then I had to gather my thoughts on how I was going to approach him about, I didn't like what, what happened here, mm-hmm. we need to handle this differently, and then we were able to talk. He was less likely to fly off the handle than me. Okay. So, sometimes. <laughs> and what was that silent treatment time like for you? It was tough. Yeah. You come home from work, and, and again, uh, all of us have you know stresses mm-hmm. at work, and come home, and then uh, the dinner plate would come on the table without a word, and she wouldn't set it on the table; she would plop it down. <laughs> and I, you know, I I remember that vividly, and it's like, oh gosh, you know, can we? Can, but I knew better than to even try to start a conversation because she, she did not want to talk. So She needed that, that time. She needed that time that a few time days up. or a week, mm-hmm. and then uh, eventually we were able to talk again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. One of the uh, things that men are most afraid of from women is that they'll abandon them or they'll, leave, they'll reject them, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, I, I kind of do the silent thing also you do <laughs> <laughs> and you know i didn't realize how hard that was on him and scary yeah mm-hmm. and, and really scary and mm-hmm. um and i think for the same reasons you're doing it you're trying to figure out your emotions and not be a crazy person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know there's that balancing act and and i think that is part of the glue that keeps relationships going you know because i think guys don't tend to see as many of the problems as women do it's kind of how our brains are designed. Mm-hmm. And so w- women are more likely to bring up a problem or be frustrated about something first. And the guys are just like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, very yeah. true. It's tough, yeah. Well, with conflict in, in couples, they kind of have to find a balance that works for both of them, you know, and taking time away, um, you know, one person might need more time than the other, mm-hmm. you know, and 
you have to find that balance. If someone is trying to kind of pursue the conversation and the other person needs time, then it, it usually erupts into a bigger conflict. Right, right, right. So it sounds like you guys were able to find that that balance point for both of you. It we took, did. It took a we while. Did. It I mean, does it, take a while. Yeah, yeah, not right. that it's it, perfect all the time, but yeah, we, we sure. Marriage isn't perfect. No. If, if anybody walks into marriage thinking that it's going to be there, going to be quickly deceived. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, it's a hard work. So, so you guys get married and have a baby within two years? Oh, it was less. First, less. Anna, first anniversary, she was oh, one with year. us. Wow. Yeah, the people Every, at work were counting. It was doing the math. <laughs> what month did you get married? And, and yeah. when did she do? But it was shortly after, uh, you know, we got married. And um, then, as I say, uh, four years later, we were fortunate enough to save enough to, to move to Mount Prospect. And then Millie's mom and dad uh, moved in with us within a couple of months after we bought the house. How was that for you guys? It, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was stressful. Stressful, but good. The end result was good. And Megan, our daughter, could see uh, how important it was for us to take care of her parents and how much Millie loved my parents. Um, one of my favorite stories, if, if I can you know, move over to that sure. point, is when my mom, uh, her health was declining and she couldn't go to Megan's eighth grade uh, graduation ceremony. So Millie made sure that uh, Megan went to the retirement home with her cap and gown so that grandma could see Megan in her cap and gown and, and stuff like that. She loved my mom and dad and I, uh, Millie's parents were easy to love. And uh, yeah, sure, it was not easy, mm-hmm. but the, ben- the, uh, you know, the outcome was great. It was great. Right. Mm-hmm. The reason that mom and dad ended up coming with us was because I always took care of my mom. She had schizoaffective disorder and um, they lived in the city and we were moving to Mount Prospect. And for me to be constantly going back and forth was going to be difficult. So we just decided to do this, but it was very stressful. I remember when I would come home from being out somewhere and I would turn onto my street, the tension across the back of my shoulders was horrendous. And uh, mom and dad didn't always get along. So you feel like you're a ref and then mom gets sick and you got to do this. And then you feel like you have no time for your daughter who needs you. Mm-hmm. So it was very stressful. And then you have to make time for the husband. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I was pretty stressed. Were you a caretaker of your mom when you were a girl? Yes. So your whole life? Mm-hmm. My whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my whole life I did. Um, it was the thing to do. It was a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the boys didn't have to do any of the caregiving and I would be playing with my friends and my mom wanted to go somewhere and my father would come out and say okay you got to take your mom to do such and such and at the time I regretted or re- what's the word I resented want? resented it mm-hmm. and um, I look back now and I I wish I would have been better about accepting those challenges because mom was really sick yeah, but I think those are normal feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though she needed it, doesn't mean just, you wanted to stop playing with your friends. Well, now that, now that they're gone, I just, you know, well, I wish I, I had a do-over. You know, I think, and this is kind of why this is a very important topic, I think, is because a lot of people today are, are kind of going through this caregiver situation where they're taking care of their, you know, an older generation and then maybe also taking care of, you know, their kids as well at the same time. And so they, they're kind of finding themselves in the middle, having to mm-hmm. balance a lot mm-hmm. of energy and time. Right. And at the same time, their relationships takes a back burner because it has to, mm-hmm. right? Because there are a lot of people that are depending on them. 
And, and I think you guys have actually that you know, great example of that because you were taking care of both, taking care of your daughter, taking care of, you know, an older generation. At the same time, they're living with you, mm-hmm. you know. And so this is some really important, you know, concepts here about how you guys handle that and how you dealt with that stress together. And what, what did you do together to try to mitigate that? It's... Um I believe it's known as, or it was known as, at the time I was doing some reading on it, the sandwich generation, Mm -hmm. where you're in the middle and the kids are, all that, yeah. But um. as far as the question about coping, I just, I I still wonder how we, we did cope. It just, we just understood this is what we have to do. But you're right, our relationship was on the back burner, Mm -hmm. and uh, we kind of realized that that's where it has to be at this point in time. So uh, right, you know. now, uh, again, Millie's dad passed in January of 2018, and so uh, uh, Millie's so used to being a caregiver. That's just a big adjustment. All her life she was, and now, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Megan's in England with her husband. And mm-hmm. Her mom and dad are gone. My mom and dad are gone. So Millie's sorting out her, her uh, who she is uh, at this point in life. And what but, do I want to do? Yeah, do and we went to, to a show the other day. We went to see Green Book, and the Tuesday afternoon, it's like, wow, this is amazing. The two of us are going to a show. So it's time to focus on yeah, us. Yeah, so mm-hmm. this is, it's all quite uh, exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Imagine it's like reinventing yourselves. Yeah, Honestly. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have this time now to enjoy each other, so it's, it's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Was it, was it um, a difficult decision for you to include her parents to live with you guys? No, I loved them mm-hmm. right from the get-go. Just good people, and uh, not that uh, they're... There were days in the home that were difficult, for sure. And like Millie said, they'd argue from time to time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was very hard on her. Um, but he loved her. But he loved her. Mm-hmm. It was but, just their way. Yes, mm-hmm. but it, it, uh, there were days when it was like, oh, why do we do this? But I mean, it was all, it, it all was yeah. a wonderful thing. So mm-hmm. I remember the day I asked him, I don't know if he was, he was ready for the question. You can just see this look on his face like, whoa, where did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) The the question of whether they would come to live with us. And my mom got ready. She sold all the furniture. She was ready to move in the day Mm -hmm. we moved in. And I remember saying, Mom, could you just wait just one week and just allow us some time alone in the house? And she was not having any of it. She got so mad at me. Mm. And I said, okay, never mind what I said. We had the house for weeks. It's like, okay, well, I mean, this is a little uh, abrupt. but uh, So again, she expected it, and you didn't really know that was happening. No. Mm. I think I'm hearing this for the first time, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> that that's, happens on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there is a, uh, a term called caregiver fatigue. Have you guys mm-hmm. ever heard of that term? No, no. But I had it. No, you had it. I know I had it. Okay, I was just going to ask. You know, is that something you guys experience? You know, oh, for for her certainly, and we never identified it as such. Uh-huh. But oh, for sure, Millie would just be totally you drained. You don't know what you're running. Totally right. drained, mm-hmm. and then feeling guilty. Like occasionally, she would explode on her mom or dad for something, and then just feel awful. But it was kind of justified. Mm-hmm. But then you feel even worse. Oh, I was right, tired. I lost guilty. my temper. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Did you guys want to talk about um, some of the kind of struggles that you guys encountered, the two of you, kind of um, dealing with some of Megan's challenges? Her challenges with the relationship 
the dynamics of our house or her illness? Her, her illness specifically, but how the two of you handled that together. Right? We had a tremendous support group uh, as far as our parents go and our church and our family, our extended family. So we, he was working at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and his brothers, of course, were in the business with him and they allowed him as much time as he needed to be with me. I never left the hospital. I was with her. She was very afraid that oh, something How old happen. was she? She was only 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So she was just afraid that if I left, something terrible was gonna happen to her. So I didn't get too much of a chance to leave. And my parents wanted to see me because they were worried about me. So I just kinda, I think I took a weekend and I went home for the weekend to see my folks to let them know what was going on and that we were okay. But um, the family and the doctors over at Children's were wonderful. And there's always one doctor that gave you the absolute worst scenario. And then there was the oncologist who would come in and rub my back and tell me she's gonna be okay. And my mother-in-law always used to say, well, if Millie's ever missing, we will know that she has run away with the oncologist because <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite guy. Yeah. No, that, that we had a wonderful support. And I think we got through that with, um, with family, church, friends, prayers. And uh, at one point I didn't even think that God was really with me. Mm. I remember going down to the chapel and there was a book there and people would sign the book and I thought well I'll put something in the book and I remember putting in there God where are you because mm -hmm. I just felt so lost. alone at the yeah. lost at the time and I was angry mm -hmm. but then when you look back and of course she's well and um, you see that he was everywhere mm -hmm. and the person who from St. Emily's that's our parish in Mount Prospect who came over and left food for Len to eat and for my parents, with the kids in school who raised money and sent cards and letters to keep us going while we were there, and they were so cute, we would sit up and read them all. But um, You'd read was, them together? Read, read them together, uh -huh. yeah, and they were just cute letters from the kids, how much they missed her and stuff, so mm -hmm. it was wonderful. We couldn't have gotten through without faith, family, and friends, honestly. And, and you do look upon these things as uh, miracles and blessings in your life. Um, again, Megan uh, had uh, adult leukemia at the age of 10 and needed, uh, besides chemotherapy, she needed a bone marrow transplant. But the lab at Children's Memorial was built less than two years before um, she needed that type of uh, mm -hmm. stem cell uh, transplant. And I look at that as a miracle, that the technology came along. I look at all the doctors and their uh, their education and their uh, as a uh, uh, people that God put in our path to uh, make this all work out mm -hmm. um, and I'll leave it at that <clears throat> did you guys ever have periods of time where you shared that that those feelings of aloneness or you know kind of feeling lost together I don't think so I think we kept it to ourselves honey what do you think no I uh, specifically thinking of when she was in the ICU and she was in dire straits and uh, we looked at each other and held each other and cried together and got through with that, I think, in that way. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. In what way did that experience enrich your lives and enrich your relationship with Megan? 
oh, I uh, don't know where to begin with that, but it definitely enriched our relationship to each other mm-hmm. and with our daughter. And we did witness two couples on the fifth floor oncology. Uh, in, in those days, uh, Children's in Lincoln Park, not downtown today. But we saw two couples blaming each other for um, the cancer, saying, well, it's, wow. not, it's not in my genes, it's in your genes. And, and they, and they uh, you know, relationships were severed over this type of, yeah. you know. So you either get closer or you, right. you, know, or you mm-hmm. draw uh, away from each other. And we got closer. And uh, as they say, uh, uh, anybody's love for their child is going to be uh, terrific. And so ours is as well. And, and so I, I would think it's more or less terrific. But, I mean, we just uh, had this special experience with her and she with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, Were there yeah. any, like, really, like, key moments where something happened and you just, you know, like when she saw the park in the backyard kind of thing where you can just so appreciate that after going through something like this? Well, just going back to school and trying to deal with what she had to deal with. And then she had um, uh, immunity issues. And uh, Millie, God bless you, she's like, a lot of parents are saying, well, you know, don't let her on the bus. She has a, you know, poor immunity and stuff. And Millie's like, no, she has to get back in the game and get on that bus and, uh, you know, fight the good fight, continue her life. That must have been really difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's things like that. Yeah. And, uh. And the kids would make fun of her at school because she had to wear the wig. You know, you're dealing with mm. that kind of that age and circumstance. Yeah, sure. and yeah, it was not pleasant. But overall, the school was wonderful. They even came over in the summer mm-hmm. and got her all caught up because she got sick when she was in the fifth grade. And they all made sure that she could start with her classmates in the sixth grade. So they tutored her all summer. Mm-hmm. And she was able to do that. And it's, it's, again, that's just another blessing. And it's, it's a, re- a big part of the story. What a gift to give our daughter that she would not be left behind, so to speak. But to be right up there with the kids that she uh, knew you know, from kindergarten and to be in the same class and not a year behind. So that was a tremendous gift from the teachers of St. Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <clears throat> So, I mean, at the same time as, you know, you guys are trying to help Megan kind of go through this challenge, you're also dealing with your parents as well, that the, simultaneously, correct? Right. right. Um, yes. We would call as much as we could to talk to mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And like, as I mentioned, I did go home uh, one weekend. But um, dad was pretty good, I think that because of the situation I think he became a more understanding person with my mom and they had to be there for each other as we were going through all of this so it worked out the only um, the only downside was that our dog at the time ended up over 100 pounds because <laughs> my mom kept feeding it but I think mom and dad they rose to the occasion and mom was on a good I think her need to take care of things kind of overrode her illness. She needed a, um, it was a mission for her to hang in there. So she was healthy the whole time. And she had bouts of, or she had moments of uh, when she would get sick and had to be hospitalized. But during that whole time, she was really healthy, and I think she was just given a purpose. Wow, yeah. So that was all good. 
So I stayed most of the time in the hospital. Len would come home and see them, and I think he was they, they were fine. Mm-hmm. So that part was good. That was a good question. So things seemed to just kind of align yes. perfectly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. When we needed it. When you needed it yeah. the most, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that is very difficult to understand is when you haven't been through something. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to know how, how can you support people or what are they actually going through that they need. Mm-hmm. What, what advice would you give to people who maybe know someone in a similar situation, how they could support that family? Don't keep it quiet. Let it be known. And, and you'll be surprised, anybody would be surprised how many people have uh, problems in their lives with a family member or themselves. And once you share, all of a sudden they they're, uh, feel open to share with you. And it's like, oh my gosh, all these people have all these issues. And I never realized it because nobody would talk about it. You know, so um, I think that's one of the things that we mm-hmm. learned and the support we got. Accept uh, the help. Yeah, accept the help. And uh, don't refuse people's kindness and out of pride or, you know, we, can, we don't need that type of help or whatever. But, um, again, we talked about St. Emily and the teachers and the parish support. Uh, my cousins were just, because uh, it was Christmas time in 95, this, uh, they, what they would have shared with each other is, is, and their kids for, for Christmas gifts, they gave it to me for medical bills. My accountant, because I had a business at the time, he uh, did my uh, returns for my company and uh, uh, even though I'm self-employed I'll say company I'll, I'm proud, I'm proud. <laughs> and, and he said just I'm not charging this year save save the you know the, you know the, apply it towards your medical expenses for your daughter and stuff like that so you had more people wow. that were just you know so compassionate uh, and Millie did touch about the notes that and letters that we got for from the, the kids at St. Emily but it was Valentine's Day and Megan was in the hospital and some of the moms showed up with uh was it one or two boxes, honey? Decorated boxes, but it was at least one box uh, wrapped. And uh, inside the box or boxes was a uh, Valentine from, from every kid in the school for Megan. Wow. Stuff like that just just you know that is blows amazing. you away. Kept us going. Mm-hmm. It sounds yeah. like there's almost nothing you can do wrong. Like any way you could reach out is going to support the family in right. some way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wow. And true. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's another question for you guys. Okay. Um, how is your relationship similar or different from your parents' relationships? Hmm. Again, I think Millie's mom and dad, I'll speak for your mom and dad first, um, had some, uh, would argue more than my mom and dad, even though my mom and dad's relationship wasn't perfect. My mom was a, a saint. <laughs> awesome. uh, but my dad was a good person, a loving person. But uh, yeah, my mom uh, truly... Uh, uh, had to make concessions, and uh, uh, I don't know, Mel. Did we, you and I have to make many concessions? Duh. <laughs> 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 oh no, not at all. No, um, my mom and dad. I think again, going back to the cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was very domineering. Mom was very submissive, and we don't have that dynamic within our relationship we never have he's always let me be me and express my views and he's he's never been uh, not a tyrant (laughs) (laughs) but somebody who bosses you around is the only word that comes to mind because Mm -hmm. that's kind of what my dad did I mean he would even go with my mom into the voting booth and say you have to vote this way oh wow behind the curtain yeah. Yeah. <laughs> behind the curtain, which you're not supposed to do. You're not do. supposed to do that, right? <laughs> wow. 
So it, your relationship is more equal. It's, it is more equal, much more equal than our parents, I think. Okay. Was, that, was that something you specifically were looking for after witnessing your parents' relationship? That's a good question. Um, I don't know that I was looking for it specifically. Um, no, I, I think I just wanted a good man, and I found that in Len, really. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that we were from a different generation brought those other things into play, that I was able to be myself. I think we've learned how to navigate our relationship from... <laughs> I'm sorry, you were going to say No, again, as far as treating each other equal, I don't think that was, a, from the outset, was a goal. You know, mm-hmm. we were attracted to, attracted to each other and, uh, you know, uh, fell in love with each other. But I think the treating each other equal just kind of evolved. Mm-hmm. It wasn't part of the initial, uh, you know, goal that I had. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Millie, but... <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, my parents, and yes. my parents did definitely have that traditional. My dad was you know, the authority and my mom listened and I absolutely didn't want that. Right. And okay, it, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you listen to my mom's podcast, she talks about that mm-hmm. and how that's no changed kidding. for her in her life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, again, I think it's generational. You know, mm-hmm. that was a very normal thing back then. And, you know, in this, this idea of sharing stories and how we've evolved over the years is, you know, we live in a di- very different world than our parents did or our grandparents. Sure. Right. Very, very mm-hmm. different. Yeah. But God. no matter what generation, um, we can all uh, grow and evolve. And uh, I hope this comes off properly, but I remember your dad as being very gruff. Mm-hmm. And then he went through Christ Renews' parish. Yeah. And I saw a change in that guy. I said, boy, he's so, so, uh, so much gentler now. And so, so you know, it just was interesting to, to observe. So that's all. It, it really was a huge transformation, which, you know, I think is is, you know, in our lives, that's what we help people do is transform their lives, right? Mm -hmm. And so many people really never kind of get there. And Mm -hmm. it it was really big transformation that he went through, especially, I remember when my mom went through Chirp, Mm -hmm. and he was very angry about it for years. Like, you're spending all your time talking to those people, and my dinner's not on the table, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And And then I remember him telling a story about, you know, he goes, there's like, all these people are hugging, and stay away from me and then he would be the first guy at the door to hug everybody on the way in <laughs> once he made that that transformation Transition, yes yeah yes mm-hmm. and you he did have a lot more peace it yeah. was observable yeah. yeah it was yeah great yeah. to see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very well cool. the goal of every generation is to become better than the past mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. than the last right that's it's part of evolution mm-hmm. and you know that transformation what you're talking about is you know he evolved beyond the authoritarian type of parenting mm-hmm. that he grew up with mm-hmm. right and, you know, what you guys are talking about is having an egalitarian one, an equal mm-hmm. relationship, which is something that, you know, mm-hmm. your, your parents really did not have, no. right? Mm-hmm. And so no, you guys evolved. And, and I imagine this, this type of structure you guys had, this egalitarian structure, helped you tremendously in going through a lot of the stressors and challenges that the two of you have gone faced. through in your marriage, mm-hmm. right? Because, That's a good point. I mean, if it was authoritarian, then one person really dictate how things are going and might create more resentment on the other side but because you guys were able to have more of an equal relationship Mm -hmm. and balance things out you were able to kind of balance the load i would imagine that's a very good point i agree wholeheartedly right Mm -hmm. Uh, and having you're having said that um one of the things about my uh being controlling is always with regard to finances and i realize that i'm i'm you know older than millie and that i'll probably step out of the picture 
before she does. And Millie says, hey, you know what? You, you, you do all this stuff. You don't, I'm, I'm in the dark as far as our finances and what's what. So that's been a goal the last few years is to try to um, uh, have Millie be our financial planner. And, uh, and uh, it, it's just something that I had a difficult time letting go. And, but yeah. uh, it's something that, well, well that's, that, that's, that's your thing, right? Yes, that has to be done. Right. Though. right. That was his gift. We all have gifts, sure. and we do the best gift that we have within our marriage. And now he's wanting to share that with me, and that's great because I really am in the dark about those things. And it's good for all of us to to know what's going on. That in was a really big transition for my mom when my dad passed. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So I know you guys have a really strong faith life. Yes. How has that impacted your guys' relationship? Greatly, greatly, and um, ever, ever since the very beginning before we really knew each other very well but we were you know even said that we were married but we were just learning about each other but her faith and her values and, and the way she loved my mom and dad and uh uh and hopefully i uh Likewise. felt the same with your, yeah. your mom and dad and yeah. she loved my brothers and uh you know it and uh it, it just the faith part of it and what we're supposed to be doing with each other and treating our each other's families and overlooking uh, things you might complain about and just loving that that's part of the faith uh, that uh, hopefully we uh, uh, inherited from our parents and share with other people anything you want to add to that no that's uh, beautifully said Leonard <laughs> I also said I was 87 at the beginning of the show I was 67 folks <laughs> so so I just heard this this thing about you know people try to um, get what they can get but it's actually in becoming what you can to help others mm-hmm. that makes our lives fulfilling and that's what it sounds like you know you, your whole family extended family your village is all about that thank yeah. you yes mm-hmm. thank you mm-hmm. yeah. at first yeah. it's work it seems like but once once you get to know your your brother's spouses and and who everybody is and then all of a sudden nothing matters after that Nothing matters. Did you go through any of a, any sort of faith crisis while you were going through these challenges? Uh, I'm happy to say that while uh, you know I prayed very fervently and everything, I never really had a faith challenge. Mm-hmm. I never did. Um, I remember my aunt Mary, because uh, Megan was in intensive care on, on Christmas Eve, and she said, "Just just say a rosary at midnight," which I did, and just just scared out of my mind and everything but it wasn't a faith crisis it was like embrace my faith let's Mm -hmm. you know i'm scared here (laughs) yeah so i was angry yeah Mm -hmm. i was very angry Mm -hmm. understandably never in my life did i think that we would be struck with something like that but um again we just get through it with your faith your family and your friends and the church is like another family to us. Mm-hmm. So they, they're there for us. People that you normally didn't talk to would always come up and say, how you doing? And what can I do for you? They were just coming out of the woodwork. It's a beautiful thing to see when you're in crisis mm-hmm. that the world is made up of a lot of really decent, decent people. It really is. Really. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the faith thing. Just mm-hmm. uh, sure. take it a little bit further in that, um, needless to say, uh, in those dark, difficult days, Millie and I were scared out of our minds and everything and, and, and uh, tried to embrace and, and hold on to our faith. 
But uh, Megan exhibited a faith stronger than ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, I think that helped her uh, survive. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> You know, there's a book called The Tunnel in the Light by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She's the one that's credited with um, the five stages of grief, which is a small part of what you learn in, when you go through psychology training. But her, her life's work was helping children die. And she would talk about that. She would say, you know, when we have these four quadrants in our lives, our physical, our emotional, our mental, and our spiritual. And when we have a deficit in one, we have a gift in another. You know, and so, and she talks about just lots of, of um, examples of that, which is, and it's usually the children that are ready and the parents that are having a more difficult time. And mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful book. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy to, you know, be Jesus in a room by yourself. Mm-hmm. So much more difficult when you're in a relationship, right? To, mm-hmm. to maintain those things. I know that's something that, that we work on. A lot of people that, um, want to teach in the world are single people mm-hmm. not they may be married but they're, they're doing it by themselves and we have a big challenge trying to do it together you know we have to okay. overcome those things and overcome those things publicly you know so yeah. what is that like for you guys when you're in conflict and you're not acting so christ-like <laughs> and you have to find your way back to center i think we just give it time and then we've been fortunate and that uh, over an hour or a day or whatever, um, it seems less important. You know, whatever it was that I was or Millie was so upset about. And you we forget just kinda, about it. You forget mm-hmm. about it. Your, really... your love overcomes the anger. What does that say? It wasn't worth. It wasn't worth the argument. Mm-hmm. You know. Even though um, you oftentimes feel that you should have the last word because you're right. It's not worth it. It's not worth no, it. It's better to be kind mm-hmm. and to be right. Mm-hmm. So put that mm-hmm. duct tape on your mouth. And <laughs> mm-hmm. So so what is the best part about being empty nesters and the worst part? Oh, the worst part is uh, no phones ringing. And uh, Millie, again, uh, uh, I think despite the difficulties, I always loved to be a caregiver. She's a loving, giving person, mm-hmm. and that's been taken away from her. Uh, so um, uh, so mm-hmm. I think that's the, the downside of being empty nesters. The upside is um, now we can travel and see our daughter in right. England and uh, uh, you know go, some, go on a few vacations. She has uh, cousins in Texas and Florida. And, and be spontaneous. Uh, we can do whatever we want. We've mm-hmm. never had that. Yeah, we're still mm-hmm. sorting, the, sorting that out. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, but uh, it's it that part is exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're retired, also. I am a retired caregiver. I right? am. <laughs> I am. Mm-hmm. What's Missing. the What's the best part? Just the anticipation of travel and uh, it, it, having more time. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we, you know, went to a movie. I, I don't know, million. No when's schedule. the last time we went to a movie together other than last mm-hmm. Tuesday? It's yeah. been. You know, for it's a, nice forever not in a, a day. So that is very nice. It is I'm very still nice. trying to find mm-hmm. out what I want to do. I haven't really decided what I want to do with the rest of my life um, as far as getting out there and helping and volunteering and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So people are telling me I just need to take time and just uh, figure that out. So I'm trying to do that. Do you guys have a common vision for the future? I don't think we've discussed it. Other than staying in Mount Prospect, which is not his I favorite thing. I used to fight thing. battles over that. You know, let's go to a warmer climate and, you know, 
and, and Millie's like, what, your family's here, your friends are here, your parish is here, why would you want to go anywhere? So I have that's what since, your dad used to say, Gene. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but I, uh, I've, I've bought into that now, and, and that's, you know, so we no longer argue about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You can always visit a warmer climate, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that's yes, the perfect can. solution. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect solution. One, it, yes. one of the things that we teach couples a lot is, um, you know, new experiences are just so important to have because the way our brains work is the neurons that fire together wire together. And when you're having new experiences, then you're interacting different and you're growing and becoming. And it, it makes for a much more enjoyable life. And, you know, this idea of I, I don't know what I want, mm-hmm. it's absolutely trial and error. And, you know, just go yeah. take a class in anything. Mm-hmm. Whether you hate it or not, yeah. you're gonna, it's going to be useful in your life. It's going to mm-hmm. be an yeah. exposure mm-hmm. that I maybe didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that dovetails into quality time, mm-hmm. right? And one thing that we explore with couples is how much quality time do they have together? And quality time is defined as a one-on-one interaction without anyone else mm-hmm. and without any screens. So not like watching a movie or, you know, watching TV, but that, that personal one-on-one interaction. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that, you know, during the time when you, you were being a caregiver, there was a lot less quality time, understandably, sure. right? Because sure. you guys were kind of juggling all these, these balls in the air. Mm-hmm. And then now you've shifted into this place in your life where there's a lot more quality time. There is. Right? Mm-hmm. And the research says that a qual- uh, couples should be spending a minimum of five and a half hours of quality time together per week. I imagine you guys are spending a lot more now. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. H- how has that transition been for you? Because, you know, a lot of couples that, that get retired, now they, they're finding themselves having a lot more quality time with their spouse, but they're not used to it. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I think we have to give it more time. It's pretty fresh. So right now he's, and it's winter. So I think that once the weather changes and maybe he gets done with all his organizing that he wants to do, the quality time will will come in, mm. I think. We want to do biking. We want to do excursions to places. We just went to Rome last year, which was his wow. dream awesome. to take me to Rome. And it was beautiful. We had a wonderful time. And then we fit in a trip to London to visit our daughter. So um, I think as as we move along, I think we'll be making more time together. It's just so new. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate the question. And I mm-hmm. think we, we still have to go out of our way to make sure that, okay, uh, one night a week we're going to go to a restaurant and, and, and sit across from each other and have dinner and converse and uh, make those types of right. opportunities mm-hmm. for each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. we do. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. So last question. Okay. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? Wow. Good question. He does so much. And so do you. So I'm trying to, there's so many things that I'm trying to, I'm having difficulty picking out one. But I I just innately know uh, her little expressions uh, uh, just convey to me that she loves me very much. Yeah, your actions, Mm -hmm. just the things you do for each other. He's really good when he was working to always call me every day. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm on my way home or I'm at lunch. How are you? How's your day going? He gets up in the morning. Now this is new. He comes downstairs when he gets up and he hugs and kisses me, then goes upstairs to get ready for his day. And uh, we always tell each other we love each other before we go to bed. And we 
just it's always been. <laughs> so I hope this helps answer your question. But I'm not talking about in the here and now. But I'm talking about back in the. Uh, I, I never had a garage kept car until I was in my 40s. So my car was always in the driveway because uh, Millie's car was in the garage and her dad's car was in the garage. And I as I already mentioned work downtown, but I would come downstairs and uh, the coffee's made. The car in the winter was scraped and running and warming. The wow. defroster was on because I think Millie was, felt bad that you know she, her dad's car is in the garage and I'm out, my car's out in the driveway and you've got to go to work. So that was always taken care of for me. Wow, it's things like that. It's yeah. things like that. Was that so. even during silent treatment time? <laughs> Maybe not. Oh, <laughs> but you got your dinner yeah, still. Yeah, right. Silent right. treatment was <laughs> silent treatment. We had this no, thing. No like, warming up yeah, the car. No, mm-hmm. When we're like that, we have to give each other the coffee, or you know, like I'm not. You know, you can't be rude, right? You got to still, mm-hmm. still reach out, even though you really don't want to. That's mm-hmm. a hard thing to do yeah. in a relationship. But that story popped into my head when you thought of, you know, mm-hmm. when you said give examples. That was a great example for me. I used to love it coming downstairs and the, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, ready to hop on the train with the car warmed up and everything. That was so. his automatic mm-hmm. start. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have one more question. Sure. Okay. What is the, your favorite thing that your partner's ever said to you? I love you, Leonard Lewis. Oh, yeah, I, I do call him Leonard Lewis. I don't know for you. Haven't ever said anything. (laughs) (laughs) I used to like when you called me bright eyes. You don't call me bright eyes anymore because I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna have to start again. (laughs) Restart that again. Right? Yeah, it's a restart, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. He just makes me laugh a lot. We do have fun. I really do think that that is really important in a relationship. Mm when we can laugh at each other and with each other. Mm-hmm. And we do, we laugh a lot, so that's good. Yeah, which is a sign of a great love and a, and a great relationship. Um, on, the, on the crass side, it's also a coping strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Megan had, uh, well, a psychologist back in the day, when, and, and, and they said that your, you know, your, your parents, that part of their coping strategy is just to, to not make light of the situation, oh. but just try to laugh their way through it. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's important. I, I do think it helps build a, a, sure. a marriage or relationship. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Humor is very important yes. in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also boosts our immune system. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that the well, temperament yep. can either build up your immune system or break it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ang- when we're angry, we produce less SIGA, which is the hormone that strengthens our immune system. Mm-hmm. And when we go through a process of forgiveness, we get a, an extra boost of it. And when we're good and laughing, it, it's, it's really healthy. healthy for us. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Good well, job, she keeps, you guys. She keeps me healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I set him up for all his jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you guys will have a comedy routine as a second career. Thanks for helping us figure out our second career. There nice. you go. Right. <laughs> well, Len and Millie, we want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you both for thank this opportunity. Thank you for having us. Yes. You know, human beings have been sharing their stories since the beginning of time to help us bond and heal. And we hope that you guys sharing your story has enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. For all you listening, if you have any questions or topic suggestions, again, please feel free to leave a comment or look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love.
You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Thank you.